Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Well, Chris, I have one good thing to say about this week, and that is no one else has tried to hack our site yet or our servers. Yep, that's good. Right. Well, if they do it, they'll try a different way. I think anyone who wants to take control of any site or server, even the Pentagon, even the CIA, they'll find a way to get in there, like Gary McKinnon. You heard what happened to Gary McKinnon, right? Yeah, yeah, the the Brits aren't going to allow him to be extradited. If we go back a few years, McKinnon apparently broke into some Pentagon sites, I gather. And this is interesting because these sites were using the password password. You know, if you use a password like that, it's a default password that a system might set up. And the people who set up those sites, they're supposed to change the password to something that is secure. So somebody in the government, this goes back a number of years, didn't do that. So this guy gets in there, I guess partly in search of UFO-related information, right? That was the motivation, yeah. And he did it on a dial-up computer like a Commodore 64, some archaic old computer, if I remember correctly, and and uh, was able to uh, peruse quite a uh, number of documents, including the uh, the very enigmatic uh, document that had the statement about, I think, 155 off-planet naval officers, if uh, memory serves me correct, which uh, kind of raised a few eyebrows when that was announced. Well, now we know there is a secret space program. Maybe Mike Barrett was right. <laughs> Yeah, boy, he. Uh, I, I think there is. I mean, I've always suspected that. I've, I've always suspected that that we have had uh, advanced exotic technology since uh, the end of World War II. Now, just to let people know, one of the issues with Gary McKinnon is that he apparently has Asperger syndrome. That's what they say, and that's kind of an autism disorder. And the only remembrance I have of anything with Asperger's syndrome is this TV show called Boston Legal, where one of the lawyers, played by Christian Clemenson, really great character actor, supposedly has Asperger's syndrome, exaggerated to the nth degree. Yeah. Well, that's the inability to pick up social signals, I think, and facial, facial clues and body language. Yeah, that was it, and he had to learn to try to control his emotions and his response to people. Of course, I don't have much in the way of social skills, but my disease has no description. <laughs> That's different yeah. than most people. My disease has no description, whatever. Dinosauritis. Well, I have that too, as a matter of fact. Of course, from moving this past week, I have a tremendous backache. So all the back exercises I do have become extremely painful. And someone will tell me, well, if it hurts, don't do that. Don't do the exercises. Let your back rest. Don't try to lift any heavy things. Get lots of rest, relaxation, painkiller pills. But what do I know? In any case, back to McKinnon. So they wanted to extradite him to the United States and throw him in prison for what? If he got convicted 30, 40 years or something? Crazy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess the the British authorities are concerned about his... um, his mental state, and that uh, this may put him at risk for suicide. Well, of course, you have to also be considerate of the person who commits the crime, not that a crime wasn't committed, but we're talking about a kid who has emotional difficulties. We're talking about someone who was just looking for UFO information, and we're talking about the fact that the 
computers or servers were not properly protected. I mean, I could have gotten in there. You could have gotten in there. I'd say anybody listening to the PowerCast with the most rudimentary computer skills, for example, could have gotten into those computers because they weren't protected. Who's minding the store? Yeah. Well, locks only keep out honest people, as they say, so. Well, there is that. So who knows? Rather crazy. Let's get back to the secret space program and all that stuff. Now, Mike Barra, I guess, had a lot of really fascinating information when he came on the show. But the thing that bothered me, and you may have gotten a sense of it, and we'll deal in respect to the person who presented the opposition, the more traditional point of view, Mr. Expat. Well, the problem with Mike Barra is that the people who disagree with him are not just disagreeing, they are stalking him. Yeah. Stupid. Oh. <laughs> you know, and also they they have to be gay because straight people can't possibly disagree with him. I mean, it's nuts. Yeah. What does the sexual preference have to do with anything? Yeah. Tea in China or anything like that. Yeah. This is true. And even if he had a case, that makes his case more difficult to accept. Whereas expat is a proper British gentleman, and he didn't insult anybody. He simply presented his facts and his figures. And as I said, you want to disagree with him? Fine, maybe he's wrong. But not like we have a new visitor to our forums with, amongst his username, is the word Martian. Yeah. And you're aware of this. This guy has posted some very incendiary comments, and he wants to be on the show. Did you see that? No, I didn't. I missed that one. Oh, yeah. This guy wants to be on the show, and he feels he has all sorts of really valuable information. And I can't understand the point except maybe that Hoagland, Richard Hoagland, the guy who talks about the face on Mars and the lunar mysteries and all that, that he is some kind of government disinformation agent. Well, didn't he? Uh, didn't this uh, this new uh, poster mention that Hoagland's sitting on some bombshell photographs or something? Well, let's see them. Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence of that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. At this point, I wrote a letter to this guy with the word Martian in his username, and I said, "Okay, fascinating stuff." He says he wants to be on the show. Where is the evidence? No. Yeah. His response was to ask me to become a friend on Facebook, which doesn't really help get us information. So I said, yes, okay, he didn't bother me. He insulted some of our members in the forums, though, with a lot of incendiary language. No. And that is the same syndrome here. You know, the problem of someone disagrees with you, you don't just point out where they may be factually incorrect. You call them douchebags or whatever. He used different words, words that we can't even use on the radio. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Whenever you talk about moon, people get loony. Yes. They get kind of lunatic-like, and especially full moon uh, times. So people sprout hair in places it's not supposed to grow. And well, that's something which we're going to cover with our (laughs) guest this week. So it's funny you should mention that. But the other thing is here, when we talk about Mars, they become mad. Yeah. Okay. So it gets to be pretty crazy. Yeah, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, that's for sure. It sure has. And this week is a segue to something totally different, or maybe not. 
Maybe not. Totally different because... And as they say in that legendary movie, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. It sounds to me like the werewolf has a sore throat. <laughs> no, the werewolf here didn't get enough sleep last night. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, I was finally gave myself a night out, and uh, I'm regretting it. Sounds like it. You need the painkillers, too. We both need painkillers, ladies and <laughs> yeah. gentlemen. And I'm not in favor of taking all sorts of medications. I think they can block your thought processes. But here, you know, I don't know. Anyway, on this week's episode, we'll feature Linda Godfrey. And she's author of a book called Real Wolfmen, True Encounters in Modern America. So are we searching for Larry Talbot, the wolfman? Is it possible that there are shapeshifters? So, though I don't know if she believes that. But can men become wolves or women when the full moon is bright or otherwise it will, like in the TV show True Blood? We have all this and more coming up this week with Gene and Chris, because you're in the Paracast. Neighbors, here's what I believe. I believe to be successful in business, you need to be able to meet with your team on a regular basis, wherever you are. So discuss plans, for example, share ideas and bring them to life. But with clients and colleagues working from different offices or on the go, meeting face-to-face -face is not often possible. That is, unless you use GoToMeeting with HD Faces, the powerfully simple way to meet and collaborate with your team online. You know, GoToMeeting with HD Faces gives your team the ability to share the same screen, making it easier to be on the same page. I want you neighbors to try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Don't wait. Check this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Be sure to use the promo code PODCAST. Go to meeting. Meeting is believing, neighbors. Go to meeting.com. Good day. Peter Kronschnabel from Midas Resources. Today is October 19th, 2012. Gold open this morning at 1735.30. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1778.17, 889.08 for a half ounce, and 444.54 for a quarter ounce. 1735.30, 889.08, and 444.54. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237.
Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Amino acids are the building blocks of proteins. Amino acids have to be delivered to your body in the shape that nature gave them if they are to be used to create new proteins in your body. Just like a bricklayer cannot use bent or twisted bricks to build a brick wall, so too your body cannot use bent or twisted amino acids to build new proteins. Giving your body an undamaged amino acid food can make a huge difference in your health. One World Way is an undamaged amino acid food unlike any other. You see, heating bends and twists amino acids, and all whey protein powders we've investigated and most proteins you consume are heated. With our True Cool process, you now have a choice with One World Whey. My name is Daniel. I'm 34 years old. When I started using One World Whey, I weighed 228 pounds. Now, after two and a half months, I weigh 182 pounds. This is my ideal weight. I've noticed an increase in stamina, rate of recovery from workouts, and an increase in my potency. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast with Gene and Chris this week, we're going to have a great time because we have, I guess we'll call her the werewolf lady herself, Linda Godfrey. She's author of Real Wolfmen. True Encounters in Modern America. Linda, you seem to be trotting some of the ground that's also been covered by people like Brad Steiger. You know Brad? I do, I do. He's become a good friend, he and his wife Sherry, yeah. We had him on a few weeks ago. Brad is someone I've known for 30 or 40 years. Right, and Brad has an amazing number of books out, and his knowledge is encyclopedic. However, um, we do, I think, tread different ground because... Mostly what I do is collect contemporary sightings of unknown upright canines, you know, where he doesn't really specialize in any one thing. He just writes about everything with great uh, finesse and, and knowledge. So, Tell us about your background. Before you were studying man-wolves or werewolves or whatever, what got you involved in the paranormal? Is that your day job? No, not really. Um, I actually started out as an artist and cartoonist, and I have a degree in art education. But I wanted to make editorial cartoons and was having a little trouble getting syndicated, so I went to the local newspaper and said, I'll just do cartoons for you for free, but they hired me as a reporter and a cartoonist. So one of the first stories out of the block for me was... Uh, about a rumor that was going around my own hometown of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, 
which was that people were reporting seeing what they called a werewolf, for lack of a better word, on this two-mile stretch of country road called Bray Road. And it seemed ludicrous to me at first. I did have some previous study and knowledge of the paranormal, but not cryptozoology, you know. And it never occurred to me that anybody would actually see something that looked like a a werewolf in real life. But what I found out when I poked into it a little bit was that they were actually submitting reports to our county animal control officer. And when I dropped over by his office, he showed me that he had a manila file folder marked werewolf. Oh, boy. When you've got a county official <laughs> with a file folder marked werewolf, that's news. You know, it, everything else just shuts down and it's, okay, we're going after this. So that he and, doesn't go howling at night, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. He, and he said, well, he didn't know what to call it either. It was mostly for lack of a better word. But he shared with me the names and addresses of the people who had been calling into him. And I thought, first of all, that's interesting in itself because if somebody's playing a prank or pulling a hoax, you don't usually go and report yourself to the county official who could later, you know, jail you for um, endangering public safety or something like that. I think it'd be stupid if you revealed your real name, although, you know, these days (laughs) they know where you are and they know what you're doing. You don't have to reveal anything. But this was 20 years ago, in yeah, December these, of 1991. These reports are, are actually uh, now quite infamous. The Bray Road uh, case has, has been ongoing for quite some time. I, I can't wait to hear, uh, hear about your work. I, I wanted to point out uh, as well that we both started out exactly the same. I really? started out doing cartoons for my little local paper, oh. and they hired me as a reporter. And no way! Had these incredible sightings, and I—I uh, I thought it was—I was going to write a kind of a tongue-in-cheek uh, piece about it. And exactly. And lo and behold, here I am, twenty years later. <laughs> no <laughs> way! Looking for works. a day job, Chris. As a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, but... still looking for a day job, right, Jane? Same here. Same yeah. here. Yep, exactly. But you know, the other thing was that when I went out and interviewed these people, they did not seem crazy to me, and they did not appear to be lying. And I just was also struck by how different they all were. You know, there was a young single mother, there was an elderly woman returning from a factory, there were a couple of farmers, you name it. They were young, old, blue collar, white collar, all over the map. And I thought, well, something is going on here. Even if it's nothing more than folklore, you know, that should be recorded. Or if there's an animal that's dangerous and some sort of predator that people should know about it, regardless, I felt that with with those two things and the fact that there was a file folder marked werewolf in the county office, um, that it deserved to be a story, and my editor agreed. But we didn't expect it to go on for so We thought two weeks, people will talk and yuck it up, and then it'll be forgotten. Well, within two weeks, it had gone national, and I had started appearing on national TV shows like Inside Edition, radio shows from one side of the country to the other, and 20 years later, it's bigger than ever and has expanded. Well, before we get into more of the case histories, this part of Wisconsin, can you give a picture of it, kind of discuss the geography and the population and all that stuff in terms sure. of our listeners understanding it? Well, with the caveat that this is not the only place these sightings occur, sure. South- southeastern Wisconsin is somewhat um, populated. You'll find the cities of Madison and Milwaukee uh, about an hour's drive apart. Bray Road is probably an hour from each of them. There are not only lots of farm fields, corn fields, things like that, but also um, we're home to what is known as the Kettle Moraine 
forest, the southern unit of it. And this is a really unique geographical feature where there are just hundreds and thousands of acres of strange, deep, bowl-shaped depressions that were carved out by the glacier with ridges in between them. And as I've mapped these things, I really keep believing that that area is the key to these sightings because they could just hide so many things. Well, the one thing, of course, that we do hear about different parts of the country is the word window area, where they seem to attract more paranormal events. Is it just man wolves, wolf men, or is it other stuff? Oh, no, not at all. Usually where you find the man wolf or the dog man, you also find Bigfoot. Um, often there are concentrated UFO hotspots in the area, large unidentifiable flying birds, that kind of thing. So John Keel's idea of window areas really does apply to hotspots for sightings of, of the dog man. Okay, how about a case history? Maybe one instance where it seems to paint the general picture of what's going on with a few details. Well, there are so many to pick from, but let me just give you one one scenario. There was a man near Kilgore, Texas, who a few years ago was driving along late at night. He sees something in the high beams of his car. He slows down, and it is a dog or wolf-headed, upright, seven-foot-tall creature loping along, carrying a yearling, a dead yearling deer in its forelimbs. And this is such a classic scenario. It turns its head. The man can see that it's clearly not a human in any kind of a suit. He can see the muzzle and the fangs dripping and the pointed ears on top of the head. The thing growls at him, not at all in a frightened way, but in a very aggressive way. And the man steps on the gas and just keeps going. Okay, so this is very much like the werewolf we've seen in a lot of movies. And werewolves have been shown different ways, and you'll get into more detail about this. Sometimes they just look like wolves. And like in the TV show True Blood, they have glowing eyes to distinguish them from regular wolves. Or it's like, of course, the movie werewolf, like the Wolfman, where it's an upright person who sprouts a wolf-like head, sort of, kind of, with hairy arms and claws and hairy legs and all that sort of stuff. Our guest this week is Linda Godfrey, and we're going to go deep into the paranormal, deep into the world of real wolfmen, true encounters in modern America. And we'll cover a lot of those encounters. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. Feedback. Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. 
What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com. The original Grover Rocket Stove Minimal Wood Use Cooking Stoves, available exclusively from StockStorage.com. If you're not prepared, GetPreparedExpo.com, the biggest and best preparedness expo in America. GetPreparedExpo.com, coming November 3rd and 4th at the Ozark Empire Fairgrounds, Springfield, Missouri. GetPreparedExpo.com, this year, a whopping 175 seminars and exhibits with instructors GCN's Vincent Finelli from USA Prepares, plus the Freeze-Dry Guy, Jeff Olson, Dr. Norman Sheely, Matt Stein, Dr. Joel Wallach, Larry Pratt, John John Moore, Lisa Bedford, Marjorie Wildcraft, and 50 more. GetPreparedExpo.com, November 3rd and 4th. Download coupon flyers and $8 discount coupons at GetPreparedExpo.com. The biggest and best preparedness expo in America. Don't miss GetPreparedExpo.com. Saturday and Sunday, November 3rd and 4th at the Ozark Empire Fairgrounds, Springfield, Missouri. If you're not prepared, GetPreparedExpo.com. Are you or someone that you love struggling to reclaim your health? My name is Matthew David Hurtado, CEO of RNADrops.com. In 2008, I struggled with chronic fatigue syndrome, PTSD, and Lyme's. I thought that all hope was gone as I lost everything in the process. In 2009, a miracle happened. I discovered ION and RNA Drops. Two months after taking RNA Drops, the chronic fatigue and the PTSD had vanished into thin air. I'd like to invite you to discover RNA Drops by visiting www.rnafreemini.com today. That's rnafreemini.com today. Listen to hours of testimonials and get a free trial bottle. Pay only shipping and handling by visiting www.rnafreemini.com. Or give us a call at 1-888-550-8231. That's 888-550-8231. Hurry, supplies are limited. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We return with Linda Godfrey. We're exploring Wolfmen. And you talked about this case in Texas, Linda, where it's an upright creature with kind of like a wolf's head. Right. Is that right. typical and- of what we see or are they yeah. different shapes? No, no, that's a really typical sighting. And beyond that, um, people will add usually that it was covered with dark colored shaggy fur, sometimes gray, you know, which is a variation you might expect within a wolf pack. Pointed ears on top of the head, a long pointed muzzle. Usually the eyes will reflect in the headlights either a golden greenish yellow tone, something like that. 
if the t- tail is sighted, it's described as bushy like a wolf's. And then this is how I know, Jean, that they're really looking and observing. They'll say something like, well, it ran or walked really well on its hind legs, but its legs were bent backwards. And what they mean by that is they're observing that, like falcon canines, it's walking on its toe pads. And what would be analogous to the human heel and ankle joint, uh, where we expect to see that on the ground if it's a human, and then a knee going forward, that's really up in the air. It's pointing the other way than the knee bends. And the knee on the canine is somewhere up around what we would call the, or expect to, to see as the thigh. So it tells me that they're observing canine physiology very closely. The other thing they'll often say is, well, it, it ran easily, but it was a little hunched over. That's just because the canine neck is not really made to be upright like the human spine. You know, it, it just has a, a skeletal difference that shows up when it walks on its hind legs. The arms or forelimbs are usually described as being held out like a dog that's begging, or sometimes they'll say like a kangaroo, or the way that you would expect to see. If, if you envision one of those dancing dogs on you know, one of the TV uh, star reality shows, they all always have their little arms folded up in front of them. The difference with these creatures is that they seem to have elongated paws and that they're able to do things like carry a deer. I've had many reports of them carrying deer, uh, road just roadkill of some kind, unidentifiable carrion in their forelimbs while they're running along. You know, and it seems to me that that probably is a real advantage. If you want to keep your food, you don't have to drag it on the ground. Well, the word werewolf, the way we understand it from movies and books and everything, is that they could be either a man or this creature. So do these creatures turn or is that their shape 24-7? I believe that in most cases that's their shape. Um, Well over 90% of the sightings that I get refer to some kind of creature that doesn't really do anything supernatural. Its behavior is, and it has no human parts. You know, if you saw a dead one lying on the road, it would just look like some enormous wolf or wolf-dog hybrid, perhaps. Okay, so it's not like they die and they become like the guy down the street. Not according to any eyewitnesses that I've ever had report to me. Now, this is not to say that I don't believe there can be separate instances of uh, classic shape-shifting or other things coming into play, you know, I'm not sure that every single sighting has to be the same exact thing. And in fact, there's a subclass that I call bedroom invaders where people will wake up or um, be awake already and see these things materialize in their homes, sometimes the bedroom, sometimes the sunny living room. And they're, in those cases, they appear sometimes just slightly translucent. They're usually black furred, often short black fur. People will compare them to Anubis, Egyptian god of the dead. And usually they look around, they appear, they make their presence known, and then they just poof, disappear. All right. So with that, we're seeing a magical creature, not a physical being. Like in cryptozoology, when we talk to people like Lauren Coleman, we speak of creatures that exist in this place and time, only we haven't discovered the species yet. We haven't figured out what a Bigfoot is. But right. now when they start appearing in people's rooms and maybe they're not fully visible, they're partly transparent, we're talking about a magical creature, something that may not be of this reality? Right. It could be transdimensional. It could be um, you know, what my Native American friends call spirit animals. It could be something we just don't even begin to comprehend. But it doesn't mean that it's necessarily the same phenomenon as 
these creatures that trot around out in the woods and gather up roadkill and just tend to want to really scare people but don't really have any true human attributes. Do they go after people to attack them, or is it just a happenstance you see them and they go on their way doing their thing? This is one of the amazingly consistent things over 20 years and the hundreds of reports that I've received. Um, and at no time, ex- with the exception of one, one man in Quebec, and he thinks it was an accident, one of these things lunged at him, grazed his hip and side with one of its fangs and left kind of a long, jagged scar that he sent me a picture of, which I have no way of proving if that's really what made it. But other than that, people have met these things out in the open, in the woods, um, you know, on Lonely Lovers Lanes, other places. They've jumped out at them, even chased them. But just when people think that they're about to be eaten or attacked or whatever, it invariably veers off into the nearest underbrush or cornfield or whatever happens to be there. It appears more interested in scaring people away from its territory than it does in actually wanting to, you know, attack and eat somebody. They don't want to pick a fight or maybe just we're not something that's on their menu. <laughs> that could they don't be. want to go to the people restaurant. They want to go to the deer restaurant. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, some of my Native American friends have told me, well, actually, these creatures and Bigfoot, both of which were known to their distant ancestors, are older in origin than humans, and that they have some ancient business with us that really forbids them from eating us. But then you go to certain Native American legends, and they regard these Bigfoot, at least, as cannibals. So um, who knows exactly? Well, I know one of the things that our own Christopher O'Brien has done over the years, he's gotten close with Native Americans who tell him about all the legends. Chris, maybe pursue this line of question about the origins of the legends of a werewolf from the American Indian point of view. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I personally have not really encountered any sort of oral tradition that relates to um, – you know, a wolfman or a dogman type creature. Uh, they do tend to be cited, though. I think, and Linda will probably bear me out. Um, they are cited around uh, Indian reservations and on Indian reservations. Yeah. Um, the the on, only case that I personally have really been involved with, and and it was only peripherally um, monitoring the people that were investigating the case, was up on the uh, the. Uh, Mountain Ute Indian Reservation up uh, near Fort Deschain, and there was a, an event that occurred in 2009, which I've mentioned on the show before, where this dogman, as it was described, was seen leaping uh, from house to house. Uh, you know, the, the way res, reservation housing, they're all cookie cutter, and they're about 20 feet apart. And this thing was able to leap uh, 20, 25 feet from rooftop to rooftop in front of uh, a number of witnesses. So it was able to leap tall buildings in a single In a single building. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, and, the devil made me do that. Yeah, I, I, I knew you were going to probably chime in with that one. And uh, the other case from yeah, this is up around the Sherman Ranch, uh, the Hunt for the Skinwalker Ranch uh, mm-hmm. case. And the other case, I think, was mentioned in that book, where uh, the ranching family observed one of these dogmen leaning up against a tree, smoking a cigarette, which I right. always I always found just to be incredibly fascinating. What a interesting detail. But in terms of of actual a crypto creature, 
I'm really not aware of uh, – and, and Linda has done obviously a, a lot more research in this than I have, and she'll probably have uh, – correct me here. But I'm not aware of any real legends that mention that. Now, there are legends uh, from your part of the world up there, uh, you know, the Ojibwe, Anishinaabe mm-hmm. area of the Wendigo, which um, – is more of a Bigfoot type creature and cannibalistic, I might add, uh, but it it doesn't have that that uh, that canine or wolf like uh, uh, the description of it. They're, they're very fast, oh. very very big. We uh, have more wolf like stuff to cover. So much more with Linda Godfrey, speaking with Gene and Chris. And Chris is not going to howl here, by the way. Oh, I take that back. You're in nice the Paracast. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo Tote Bag... All sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children. Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Vote for radio. You know, right now, so many people are trying to get themselves elected. Not a day goes by I don't see a billboard or get a mailer or a flyer or receive a phone call from a politician of some sort. All politicians have something to say, so why don't they say it? That's right, say it here on the radio. That way, voters could hear the emotion in their voices and hear the passion they might have to serve the public as an elected official. You know what, politicians and campaign managers? Radio can do that for you. Here on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, you can target voters with an affordable radio campaign that might help you get elected by using a medium where your competition may not be. Radio. And advertising on GCN is more affordable than you might think. Learn more. Visit GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email. Advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Vote for radio. Is this what your bedroom sounds like at night? What if you could stop the snoring instantly without nose strips, mouth guards, or a procedure? Now you can with Snorebreak. Snorebreak is a patented liner for your pillow that's guaranteed to reduce you or your partner's snoring from the very first night. The secret is the soothing oils infused into Snorebreak that improve breathing while you're asleep. It's the same technology used in hospitals to stop snoring. Available for your home for the first time ever. Snorebreak is soft and virtually undetectable. And in the largest survey of its kind, Snorebreak reduced snoring for an amazing 74% of participants. For a limited time, you can try Snorebreak risk-free. 
before it's in stores. Put an end to snoring. Get your risk-free trial of Snorebreak while supplies last. Just call 1-800-475-5481. That's 1-800-475-5481. Call 1-800-475-5481. Here it comes, another cold and flu season. Get ready for it and save now during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't be without powerful natural flu fighters like elderberry power capsules. They support the immune system and they have antiviral properties. Another powerful antiviral is olive leaf capsules, highly recommended by Herbal Healer Academy. Also on sale is Physician Strength Oregacillin, a savior for the lungs. It fights bacteria, virus, and fungus. Our famous four-herb capsules are a gentle liver cleanser and can be taken daily. Also featured this winter are the homeopathic detoxes, liver, kidney, lung, lymph, whole body, and brain detox on sale. And remember, as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Chris is getting his howling voice back. It was a little bit rough before because he had a long night, got up late, and didn't have time for his vocal cords to acclimate themselves. Well, I Do you understand to... what I'm saying? Because uh, I don't. I'm going to make a cup of coffee right now. <laughs> well, I should do that. We have Linda Godfrey talking about werewolves. But in addition to Native American legends, when you talk about Anubis and the gods of Egypt, how far back can we trace any legend of a man-wolf, a werewolf, or whatever? Well, if you go by just were-predators of all different types, you can find representations of them back in some of the earliest cave art and uh, earliest civilizations all the way back to old Anatolia, which is now present-day Turkey. You know, So as far as we know, this association and idea of predators that walked upright is extremely ancient. And uh, they're recently uh, in the U.S. from Atherton Canyon in Montana. They have actually found some ancient petroglyphs and other sorts of Native American art that show an upright wolf in one case. And they also show pictographs of men perhaps performing a transformative act by wearing wolf hat and wolf tail moccasins and that sort of thing. And that's, you know, very ancient art. So um, I think that you can take this idea way back. Indeed. Now, one of the things we think about werewolves, we go back to the original movie, The Wolfman, in 1941, with Lon mm-hmm. Chaney Jr. as Larry Talbot in The Wolfman. And of course, it was a fiction story, a fantasy yes. fiction story. It was the classic Hollywood depiction. And even right. then, in the first movie, it's not at all clear that it required a full moon, although that was implied. It didn't say full moon, it was the autumn moon. Right. Is bright. And those legends. Now, is that something that was developed strictly for that film, or was it based on any kind of folklore? Pretty much, you know, because that whole line about even the man who says his prayers at night, people think that that's a true old gypsy curse, but it was made up by the writers and producers. 
you know, as and most most of the lore, having to be bitten to become one, you know, that's a fairly new concept. Back in ancient times, it was considered more of a magical transformation, and you'd need certain unguent. You would need a wolf wolf fur um, belt or girdle to change. The silver might have come from uh, a certain incident in France where a beast was rumored to have been finally killed when uh, they took the consecrated silver chalice from a church and melted it down to make bullets. And then because those were wholly consecrated bullets, they killed it. And somehow that got translated into silver bullets. Of course, therefore, the Lone Ranger who used silver bullets was really looking for werewolves. (laughs) You see, they got the legend screwed up. Right, right. It's well, you know, Hollywood just keeps adding and adding to the legends, and then people get confused and and uh, take those for real things. And I'll tell you, I do have people who write to me and claim to be actual, true, traditional werewolves that have to be chained up in their basement every full moon, you know, and they try not to bite people but have the surge to do so. And I do have a standard challenge, which is, please, next time that happens. Just set up your video camera on a tripod and set it somewhere where you can't get at it with your chains and tape the transformation for me and send it to me. And nobody has. And the reason I know this doesn't happen is because, really, it would be all over YouTube by now. Well, if there was a transformation, yes, we'd catch it. All the things we know about werewolves now dates back to Kurt Seidmack, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. He was a German science fiction novelist and screenwriter who came to Hollywood and wrote so many of those science fiction and horror films. Exactly. Right. He's the one who made up the so-called gypsy curse, you know, that that many people think was real, but it was written by him. And, uh, you know, we, as I said, we have him to thank for a lot of these other traditions. By the way, in the UFO field, he is the person who wrote the film Earth versus the Flying Saucers from the 1950s, the one with the Ray... Harryhausen animated special effects. That was the one where they bought Major Kehoe's book, one of Major Kehoe's books, I think Flying Saucer Conspiracy, and they turned it into a standard Invaders on the Loose kind of film to <laughs> Kehoe's it's, embarrassment. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, this guy wrote the script. He wrote some amazing, just to look at the stuff he wrote, because he lived to like 98 years old. And wow. if you look at his stuff, he wrote films from the early 20s through the 60s some of the famous science fiction horror films he wrote all those universal most of those universal horror films you know he's an amazing writer with an amazing legacy and he colored our perceptions of werewolves exactly yeah he just had so much impact on the pop culture concept of a werewolf that that's what people think of you know, in their minds, you know. And I just have to say that is not what probably 95% of people who report to me are seeing. It's it's a different thing, and it's amazingly consistent. You'd expect if people were making things up that these things would vary wildly from report to report, but they don't. And they very seldom sound like something that came out of a Hollywood movie. That's so interesting because sometimes in the paranormal you see pop culture influencing what you see and the nature of what you see we see this in ufos but with man wolves werewolves it's consistent through the centuries well through the the 21st and and uh, late 20th century anyway 
it's hard to say. When you go back to medieval tales of werewolves, they really don't even sound like the ones we're seeing now. They're mostly not on their hind legs. They're mostly running around on four legs and indistinguishable from a regular wolf. Um, you know, it's it's more that the the person who is suspected of turning into a werewolf, in fact, was often um, said to be sleeping safely someplace while a spirit animal went out from him that looked exactly like a regular uh, wolf. And if that wolf was shot at or injured, say somebody shot it in the leg, then they would find a corresponding wound on the sleeping person. So basically it was like a duplicate or carbon copy of yourself? Sort of. A lot of people believe that we have a couple layers of spirit bodies, um, the lowest one being called the astral body, and then there's you know a finer grade, and that some people believe through mental discipline, um, yoga techniques, meditation, some people and, sh- and shamans of all, of all cultures um, practice this, that they're able to use this spirit energy to send forth a manifestation that other people can see, and sometimes that even separates from them and sort of goes its own way. Um, in Tibetan lore, it's called a tulpa, you know, and there have been examples um, written about in this way. And actually, I've researched a lot of Native American uh, literature about shape-shifting and that sort of thing, and what I'm really coming away with is that they don't seem to be saying that their entire bodies are completely changing molecule molecule by corpuscle by atom, but that they are projecting, and I've even found at least one text that uses that very word, they're projecting this animal image from their own bodily energy, or there are some that would say that they, t- that they take it from a, a, a spirit world manifestation that sort of, or a nature spirit maybe would be a better way to put it, that so- sort of permeates... So if this creature is being projected, the original person is projecting it, he or she is sleeping or meditating or something like that? Either that or I've read some things where they're sort of running around with this projection covering them kind of like a uh, a spirit animal suit Yeah, that looks real to the eye. That, that, would, that would be a classic, uh, uh, well, in the Diné tradition, uh, uh, a skinwalker. Skinwalker, exactly. Yeah, yep. when, I, when I referred to my not knowing of any sort of cryptozoological legends about uh, wolfman or dogman, that's not to say that, um, that there, I mean, there are traditions of shapeshifters, of, of exactly. black adepts and shamans that are able to, uh, to either mask their appearance with, with an animal um, visage or, um, as you say, project some sort of, um, of energy out there. And, and, and this is a very prevalent belief uh, in the Southwest. Yeah. And uh, there have been some, uh, just I digress here for a moment, but I remember I did a chapter uh, in my book, Stalking the Tricksters, and there is a chapter in there on werewolves. And I was able to find some pretty interesting stories that go all the way back to the ancient Greeks. I think yeah. Virgil in his book, Satyricon, uh, mentions uh, a guy that uh, one of the characters that transforms into a wolf. We're going to transform into something else. Okay. If we don't do this break. And I don't want to tell you what that is. We're going to translate, <laughs> I think, into fired. We'll send Donald Trump here and say, you're fired. Linda Godfrey joins Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Many Americans suffer from digestive problems, often totally unaware they're not absorbing essential nutrients from foods and supplements. Dr. Peter Glidden is aware of the importance of healing a damaged digestive system. Now, the product that I'm going to talk about today, Mackey Plus, and it is a combination of a superfruit, the Mackey berry, and aloe vera juice. Now, aloe vera is a very interesting nutritional supplement to talk about because aloe vera, you know, it's the stuff that you put on your skin if you get a burn. And man, it really knocks down the pain, the inflammation of the burn and facilitates healing. Well, guess what? It does the same thing internally that it does externally to burns. To soothe and heal your digestive system, order Mackey Plus today by calling 855-347-3696. That's 855-347-3696 or on the web at fireyourmdnow.com. That's fireyourmdnow.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg. Thank heavens Chris did not howl like a wolf. I used to do that very well in my 20s, and I'll practice and see. I, was I learned last that night. from listening to an old acquaintance of mine, John Zacherly. Remember John Zacherly, anyone? You don't remember no. John Zacherly? Okay. Zacherly, sure. Yeah. The radio, the radio Zacherly? I knew him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he'd go on there and he had this crazy song. I'll just recite the lyrics. A dinner was set for three at Dracula's house by the sea. The hors d'oeuvres were fine, but I choked on the wine when I learned that the main course was me. And he'd laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Well, of course, there's Wolfman Jack. Let's not exactly forget. that. That was on my mind too. Yeah, <laughs> Wolfman Jack. I never heard of him. Who's Wolfman Jack? Clap for the Wolfman. Right, and his real name was Bob Smith. He came from Brooklyn, New York. Bob Smith. Right. <laughs> Wolfman Jack. Now that's a transformation in itself. <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. It really is. Yeah, talk about shape shifting. And remember him from American Graffiti. Sure. Yeah. The, yep. George Lucas film where Harrison Ford was in there and oh yeah Ron Howard before he became a director. Why are we talking about this? The legends of werewolves. Why, Linda Godfrey, are we so fascinated 
with men or women who turn into wolves or are reputed to? Well, I think that idea that, you know, we, we look at the dog or the wolf, which they've always been our closest animal companions. I mean, when they go back to the earliest prehistoric man, they find evidence of, you know, domesticated dogs, which started out as wolves, as everybody knows. It's partly because we, we share this um, sort of bond with them. But I also think that we have a hard time, the more civilized we get, being able to figure out how we can still have our own wild urges and, you know, horrible, violent desires that, that crop up in people now. Again, you think of Jeffrey Dahmer and Ed Gein and people like that. And it's much easier psychologically for us to displace that onto some kind of wild animal and say, well, this wasn't really me. It was this wild animal spirit that took over me, you know. And even if we're not um, claiming that we're doing that ourselves, it's it's very entertaining to think about it that way and think, well, what if what if every time I did something bad, you know, it wasn't really me doing it. It was because of the spirit of this wild animal. Or so, as Jim Carrey said in the movie The Mask, it wasn't me, it was the one-armed man. There you go. Yeah, we always like to blame someone else. The flip side is that ancient hunters from way back on have always coveted the hunting skills, you know, and I think that a lot of the desire to transform was to be able to take on those superb, intelligent, and crafty, and strong hunting skills that they saw exhibited in packs of wolves, you know, and and I think that's part of those Atherton Canyon pictographs is they're trying to take on that prowess of the wolf, too. It's just multifaceted. Of course, there is a mental illness where people believe yes. they can turn into wolves. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's it's a kind of psychosis known as lycanthropy. And uh, some people who have it will deny that it's an illness, but it is recognized in psychiatric journals. And the thing is that researching it, what I've learned is that you can't really blame sightings of wolf creatures on this because the people may look in the mirror and see themselves transformed into a wolf but anybody else who looks at them will just see maybe kind of a strangely behaving human you know and there was one case history that I cited of a woman who felt that at she would just spontaneously begin transforming into a wolf and that she didn't have any control over it and one time she was at Thanksgiving dinner and actually stripped down and began performing mating rituals, you know, that's just something you don't want to see your Aunt Hilda doing at a family <laughs> gathering. Boy, you know, she but, must have been the life of the party, huh? Yeah. But to her, you know, she felt that she was complete, could see fur on her arms. She'd look in the mirror and see a wolf face. But everybody else is just seeing naked Aunt Hilda. And that wasn't her name. I'm just uh, just making that up. But I'm uh, sure there's going to be someone named Hilda out there <laughs> who's going to say, what is this? I don't run around naked pretending I'm a werewolf. <laughs> No, no. I have I had an Aunt Hilda myself, so I guess that's where I'm getting the name. But um but I've read other incidents where people felt that they were transforming and while they personally could see fur and that sort of thing, other people looking at them did not, you know, which tells you that it's something originating in your own head. So in that case it's always in your head. There's no evidence of a real transformation that could possibly take place. Not from anything that I've read. People do seem to, who have that, have sometimes been able to contort their muscles of, of their hands, you know, so that they can appear more claw-like. But you don't see the nose growing. You don't see the fur sprouting on the face. You don't see 
anything like that, really, if you're just an observer. Why the legend that if you're bitten by one of these creatures, it passes on the condition, the disease? Is that also the science fiction writer who created Wolfman? Yeah, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, I haven't found that in, in the ancient literature. Um, in the ancient literature, it's more often received either as a gift from the devil or some sort of just just transformational magic type of thing. It's sometimes a curse. Uh, there's an old legend that St. Patrick in Ireland uh, was mad at some of the Druids for making fun of his work when he was trying to convert everyone to Christianity. And so that he cursed an entire clan of Druids that had to then become werewolves every so often. But you see here, for example, that in general, werewolves tend to be evil. I think True Blood might be an exception because there they could be just guard dogs, you know, who work at the behest of vampires. But in general, if you become a werewolf, you're out to eat someone or just kill them. In the traditional mode, you know, that's the general idea. And you go back to things like the Beast of Javadon, which was something that um, just scavenged and terrified France. You know, and I don't have the, the exact dates right in front of me, so I won't make a guess, but it was uh, centuries ago. And this thing actually, whatever it was, killed many people and farm animals, quite a few, and they never really of course, we're able to prove that it was a human becoming a wolf, but they did find an extremely, at least one, maybe two extremely large wolf-like animals. One even looked like a hyena. There are so many theories about it. But that was much closer to the medieval idea of what a werewolf was. You know, it was um, a wolf-like creature that had some supernatural prowess and that did indeed uh, kill and eat people and farm animals. Busy creature, busy creature. Very Not much a nice so. Neighbor. Yeah, no, you wouldn't want you wouldn't want to have been around there. Well, you know, Chris and there's lives still up in the country, a place where I would expect almost anything to be. I'm just a city boy, so I don't think that in Phoenix they or do Mesa show up. or yes, Tempe, they Arizona, do. I'm going to see a werewolf. But up in you might wherever Chris lives and down in the country there. Yeah, but did you see that 15 foot rattlesnake they found in a culvert down there in Mesa? <laughs> but they yeah, do I show up in that, cities. Yes. They do show up in cities, you know. He had and to that, remind me. You know, Chris had to remind me. He's always got the trickster <laughs> element. You see, you need a good trickster. Yes, of course. They, yeah, you're right. They do. There have been reports of these things in towns, um, in cities, and uh, and I remember uh, researching my chapter uh, in my book of of like you said, a scourge of of reports of. Of, of attacks of animals, uh, even of people, and they they tend to come in waves, and then they disappear, and nobody could right. figure out uh, you know where it came from and where it went. But how right. how about some more urban type uh, accounts that that you've encountered? Well, you know, one that really shocked me. I just really couldn't believe it at first. Was I got a report um, some years ago of three young women who had been at Brookfield Mall which is just south of Milwaukee, and it's a really heavily industrialized, uh, commercialized, I should say is more like it, and a residential area, lots of uh, you know, densely populated places. And these 
they were uh, getting on a clover leaf, just leaving the mall area, which is a huge mall, great big huge shopping center, and it's like you know eight lane highways. They this get is on like the... a big shopping mall in any large city. We right, have Linda exactly. Godfrey who will complete the story as they exit the mall. What's going to happen? Gene <laughs> and Chris, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out, asseenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number 1, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene 1 to save 10%. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30% while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. 
Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We're having a howling good time with Linda Godfrey, looking for the werewolves at a shopping mall in Wisconsin on the Paracast with Gene and Chris. Linda? Well, yes, they they were just making the loop to turn on to one of the interstates that you can get on there, and they saw what they thought was a dog crouching on the cloverleaf. And this was December. It was a little snowy. They thought the poor thing might be cold. So they actually did what you're not supposed to do and pulled over on this cloverleaf loop and got out of the car and went to go see if they could coax it back into their car with them so they could rescue it. The thing stood up and faced them, and it was about six feet tall, looked like some kind of a wolf-dog hybrid, and started coming after them. So, of course, they made it back to their car as quickly as possible and, and zoomed off and didn't see what became of it. Well, I, I thought, that's kind of crazy. How could it possibly get through all that commercial area and that, those yeah. huge highways and things? But when I looked on the map, and this is something that I always do, and Google Earth makes it especially easy now. When I looked on the map, I realized that all it had to do was cross the cloverleaf and it would be on the grounds of a very large golf course, which was, of course, shut down for the month of December, basically, and that if it crossed that golf course, it would come to another one, which then would lead to a river basin and a little hop, skip, and jump, and presto, it was out of Milwaukee County. Sounds kind of like a Wolfman corridor uh, that it could use to get pretty much from the country into the city without being seen. Corridor is a perfect word. It's one that I often use. And I will find that no matter how ludicrous the area seems when something is reported, if I map it out, I can always find water nearby and some type of brush or cover, even if it's just an urban city park. Uh, Many of those parks have dense areas that no one ever enters, thickets, bushes, and things like that. So they seem to be extremely able to get around as they like to. And they have a real big advantage over Bigfoot. Bigfoot, if you see it sitting or walking or running or whatever, you're going to know it's Bigfoot. You know, generally Bigfoot is eight or nine feet tall and weighs five, six hundred pounds and looks ape-like. This creature, from all witness reports, is able to walk either on its hind legs or all fours and goes back and forth quite easily. And I think that when it knows it's in an urban area, it will usually drop to all fours so that people will just say, oh, there's a really strange-looking, huge kind of dog hybrid. And I do get those reports from time to time. They'll usually notice something really unusual about it, either the way it acts or, or looks or, or something like that that distinguishes it from just your regular stray dog. I think we go back, of course, to the origins we were talking about earlier, about werewolves tending to be seen in the so-called window areas. So 
are we seeing creatures that come from here or are they coming from this other dimension or maybe another time that accidentally or deliberately come into our world to do whatever or just go to the deer store and buy some dinner? Well, that would be the Native American belief. And honestly, although, you know, I keep an open mind because I can't prove that it's either one, either a spirit animal or a natural animal until I get one, <laughs> which I somehow doubt is going to happen. But that really does conform best to the facts of most known sightings, you know. The reason, the idea that it doesn't want to actually kill any people, it just seems aggressive, that it's often seen busily collecting some kind of animal protein. And that's what my native sources have told me, that when they're here, they're fully corporeal, they're physical, they need to feed on something for energy, but when they want to... They go back through the portal or the the door or the window or whatever you want to call it. Uh, for many Native Americans, that would involve freshwater springs, and that is often a component of uh, of a sighting's habitat. But I, I do have to add that the window areas really seems to apply only to the real hot spots because there can be lone sightings just about anywhere. You know, they they don't always conform to the hot spot areas. That being said. Um, I did unearth a really interesting connection between southern Wisconsin hotspots and very ancient American Native American uh, formations called animal effigy mounds. And these are ancient mounds sculpted in the form of uh, kind of abstract depictions of all different types of animals. And here's an astounding fact. Wisconsin, particularly southern Wisconsin, has something like 96% of all the world's known ancient effigy mounds. Um, there are a few that overlap onto, you know, the neighboring states, and then you've got the Serpent Mound in Ohio. And, wow, you know, I maybe, didn't know that. That's, that's yeah, an amazing fact. It is, it is. And they were made by um, people who were here before any of the modern tribes, although some think that they are, were ancestors of the present-day Ho-Chunk tribe. And I have interviewed a, a Ho-Chunk elder, but I couldn't get that interview until I discovered this fact, which was that um, I, I was looking at a map of these effigy mound sightings that were grouped by predominating types of animals. And there was one called the Water Panther Mound, or more accurate, the first settlers called it the Lizard Mound because it had a long tail. But the most accurate uh, way to describe it would be as a water spirit mound. And what I learned is that they really don't want to talk about the water spirit mounds. There was a water spirit clan at one time that um, it doesn't really exist very much anymore. But I was shown a secret ancient insignia that I had to swear I wouldn't reproduce anywhere that showed the water spirit mound and what I can, or the water spirit creature, whatever it was. And it was bipedal and had uh, two tall, pointed ears. Let me ask you, why can't you disclose it? Because it's private tribal knowledge, and they they don't want it to be let out. But what I, I guess I didn't make clear what I my discovery was, which was that um, everywhere there was a concentration of these water spirit mounds, there was also a dogman sighting hotspot. And I had a, a map of my uh, dogman sighting hotspots, and when I overlaid the two, um, it was astounding. They just matched up perfectly, far too great for coincidence. And the Ho-Chunk were very, very interested in that. The precursor uh, uh, 
group of Indians? Was that the, was that the Woodlands or um, the Woodland Indians or the Miami group uh, that, that built the mounds? Um, they don't really know for sure. They, they refer to them as prehistoric and um, somewhere in that Woodland uh, time frame, but they don't really know who the exact people were. Um, there is a big link to the Ho-Chunk in that the types of animals represented in these effigy mounds match up very closely to the Ho-Chunk totem animals. And the Ho-Chunk, you know, seem to have some, some knowledge. They're, they're pretty close-mouthed about it all, but it was pretty astounding to see. They were pretty amazed to see how closely those uh, matched up. And that's why they were willing to give me a little bit of inside information, but I, I had to promise not to... Uh, not to reproduce the actual sign itself. Game to you under deep cover. We're exploring real wolfmen, not the fake ones. I'm going to ask about the fake ones in a moment. I'm going to ask about some of the fake reports that maybe you've encountered. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter at the Paracast. The Paracast on Twitter. Linda Godfrey joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Are you storing food? Prepared families are storing food for months and years, but only have enough fuel stored for days or weeks. Stretch your fuel storage by harnessing the power of the sun with a sun oven. Food can be baked, boiled, or steamed at temperatures of 360 to 400 degrees with the power of the sun. You can use the sun for 50 to 80% of your cooking, allowing you to preserve your fuel storage for rainy days. Sun-baked foods stay moister and have less shrinkage and do not burn. Sun-baked roasts are tastier and more succulent, and sun-baked bread has unparalleled taste and texture. Water can be heated in a sun oven for purification or personal hygiene. For the past 26 years, sun ovens have been proudly made in the U.S. They're durable, have a long life, and come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. For a discount coupon, visit sunoven.com forward slash radio. That's sunoven.com forward slash radio. Is this what your bedroom sounds like at night? 
What if you could stop the snoring instantly without nose strips, mouth guards, or a procedure? Now you can with Snorebreak. Snorebreak is a patented liner for your pillow that's guaranteed to reduce you or your partner's snoring from the very first night. The secret is the soothing oils infused into Snorebreak that improve breathing while you're asleep. It's the same technology used in hospitals to stop snoring, available for your home for the first time ever. Snorebreak is soft and virtually undetectable, and in the largest survey of its kind, Snorebreak reduced snoring for an amazing 74% of participants. For a limited time, you can try Snorebreak risk-free before it's in stores. Put an end to snoring. Get your risk-free trial of Snorebreak while supplies last. Just call 1-800-475-5481. That's 1-800-475-5481. Call 1-800-475-5481. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. One time. I can't do it anymore. We're having a howling great time here in the Paracast, making fools of ourselves. We have Linda Godfrey, and she's a good sport. (laughs) Now, in the cases you've investigated, and this is what the skeptics will say, is it possible some were just made-up stories, find a few of those? There are. Um, Every once in a while, you know, I'll get a report that just doesn't quite set right. You know, there are usually a few red flags. And remember, while I know one gets by me now and then, um, you know, I think I can weed out the majority because I did work for the newspaper for 10 years and that every week I would be interviewing somebody on something usually not on werewolves. I only wrote maybe three or four stories on that total within the 10 years that I worked at the newspaper. The rest of the time, it was just, you know, regular people. And you get a good sense for when people are putting you on or or, uh, trying to make something up. However, there are hoaxers out there, and I think it's crazy to deny that. It's possible that a very small percentage of people who report to me are giving me honest reports of seeing somebody, you know, in a fursuit that they maybe didn't have great viewing conditions and, and couldn't see too well. So that's possible, but there could not possibly be enough of them, of these hoaxed uh, incidents to account for all the reports I've gotten. You may have, might have heard that, I think it was maybe two months ago, a man in Montana um, was out trying to uh, spoof a Bigfoot sighting, and he had a fursuit and was running out in front of cars and, of course, was, I think, hit by two different cars and totally killed which I've been warning people about for years. Yeah, that, that definitely is a Darwin Award uh, nominee yeah. right there. <laughs> exactly, Jeez. exactly. You know, and 
if you're caught at that, I mean, I, I think a case could be made for committing public fraud, but it's definitely endangering the public safety because, you know, even if you weren't hurt or killed, somebody could go off the road looking at you and then you'd be responsible, you know, for, for whatever happened in that crash. But I've also written about uh, other just real full-on hoaxes such as the so-called Gable film from Michigan. Have you guys heard of that one? Well, it kind of rings a bell, but why don't you refresh our memory? Well, this all started some years ago um, with the collaboration of an amateur filmmaker who, just for fun, um, made kind of a spoofy film that was supposed to depict uh, an attack by the Michigan Dogman. And he happened to be a 70s buff and had 70s vehicles and uh, sheriff uniforms and film and a camera and that sort of thing. So he was trying to give it the look of something that happened back in the 70s. And it actually was him wearing a ghillie suit. But the the footage was so grainy and blurred that, A, you couldn't see what it was. And my comment back at the time, which was about 2007, was that the thing never stood up, so how would you know it was a dog man? Maybe it was a bear, maybe it was anything. Well, the film was being touted by a Traverse City disc jockey named Steve Cook, who happened to be the person who wrote the legend, which uh, told all about the Michigan dog man that he originally intended to be an April Fool's joke, but which, when he played it on air back in 1987, uh, people started calling in and saying, hey, that's no April Fool's joke. I saw that or my grandfather saw it or, you know, we've got the Manistee Forest is full of them. And he discovered that, um, you know, he had an actual phenomenon, but it just somehow never took hold nationally or became known. So um, they actually put out a second film and then things sort of started to unravel and both of them confessed on national TV on the final season four finale of the History Channel's Monster Quest show. The Law of Unintended Consequences. Now, <laughs> exactly. When you see these werewolves or whatever they are, are they ever accompanied by other creatures or is it just them by themselves or with their prey? I've never heard of them um, appearing in concert with other creatures, although um, they're often seen in the same areas as, as Bigfoot, but not, not together that I know of, but they do appear in multiples, which to me implies that there could be a breeding population because you would certainly need multiples for that. And I, I've had people report two, three, four, and even five, which is one of the scariest stories that I've ever heard. Would you like to hear that story? So it's in coming in packs. Right, right, exactly. Wow. And the one where five was seen, um, they weren't just showing up all of a sudden as five of them. There was a middle-aged professional couple in Maine, Palmyra, Maine, who were sitting on their front porch one night drinking coffee. They had a spotlight with them, uh, but the yard was dark. They had a pond where deer would sometimes show up, and then they'd shine the spotlight and look at the deer, you know, which is their, their nighttime ritual. Well, they got this uneasy feeling while they're sitting there in the dark, and they shined their spotlight on the yard, and there were five seven-foot-tall wolf-like creatures walking upright, slightly hunched over, as they often describe, but basically on, walking on their hind legs, 20 feet away from them, creeping up, flanking them. There were three on one side, two on the other side. So they were employing a strategic hunting uh, 
ability in that case. And 20 feet away is pretty darn close. Um, they didn't they, get much sleep that night. They got no sleep that night. They, yeah, they, backed, they backed into the house. And I've had extensive interviews with this couple. And they both produced sketches for me, uh, some of which are shown in the Real Wolfman book. You know, And they're just uh, two of the most credible, normal, regular people you'd ever want to talk to and meet. Um, but they backed into the house, called 911. 911 told them to call the game warden. The game warden said, well, just stay in your house and lock the door. And they didn't even have any guns with them because the wife made her husband keep the guns locked in the garage and they could get to the garage. So um, they're and in the this house. the game warden doesn't sound very sympathetic. No, not, no, at not at all. Not at all, sure. Never, never came out, never did anything. You know, just kind of like, I, let me go back to sleep, basically. So they went upstairs in the house to where their daughter was sleeping just to check on her. And they shined the spotlight out the window down on the yard, and five pairs of yellow eyes glowed back at them. So evidently they either followed lights flipping on as the couple went through the house, or they just somehow knew where to go to watch for them. And the creatures stayed out there all night long and then just sort of slunk away sometime toward dawn. They didn't really see them leave, but by the time the sun came up, then they were gone. But they stayed all night long. They left footprints. They took pictures of the footprints, which didn't turn out, which I can vouch for uh, for this. Uh, very often happens for some reason. I don't know why. Either that or your battery goes dead in your camera. But they moved not too long after that because they were just too unnerved. That's by surprised. The right. I, I could just see the real estate posting. <laughs> exactly. Quiet, secluded house with uh, <laughs> Wolfman neighbors. Occasionally, yeah, you got to check out those neighbors. In fact, you know, we have neighbors at this new place we're living at, and they have dogs, and the dogs, of course, decide to bark at night okay. when we're trying to sleep. We'll have to talk to the neighbors. They seem like decent people, so I suppose they will make sure that there's no problem. Of course, I wonder here now whether we'll go to the neighbor's door, there'll be nobody there, but we'll see these canine creatures in back, and that's our neighbors. You never know. <laughs> I realize that, yes. Who knows? What evil lurks in the hearts of werewolves? Or wolfmen. Right? <laughs> Dogmen. Why can't we call them wolf women? Let's be politically correct. Well, or you wolf know, persons. I, okay, wolf persons. Wolf, wolf persons. Persons of wolfish um, descent? I'm not sure. <laughs> There are any number of terms, and this is something I wrestle with all the time. You know, publishers like the term werewolf because it's much sexier than unknown upright canine, which I think is probably the truest description of them. So, but, yeah, real upright canines. That's going to be a sexy title for a book. It's exactly. got to be werewolves, of course, because, you know, werewolves are so entrenched in our popular culture. Plus, it does give you a pretty good mental image of this upright wolf-like thing, you know, which is generally how people describe them. It's just that they don't have any human parts, and they won't shrink back into Lon Chaney. Well, I hope not, but he's been dead for many years. We have Linda <laughs> Godfrey joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here.
Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call one 877 fake tv Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time while I was trying to sleep. Heart and body extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of heart and body extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of heart and body extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. 
Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. This is Kurt Southern, the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening to the Paracast. Yes, we're howling away here, baying at the moon, as they say with Linda Godfrey, looking at werewolves, and we call them werewolves because the title is sexy, and that's it. Not even Dogman, you know? It's got to be a werewolf. I've been called an animal once or twice, but never a wolf, man. You do find that there are different names in different parts of the country. For instance, in Michigan, it is the Michigan Dogman. I have one book by that title. And in other places down around... uh, French-speaking portions of Louisiana, Cajun areas. It's the Lugaroo or the Rougarou. Um, you'll find different terms in different areas where people have no idea that anybody else has this creature in their place, and to them it's just always known by their local name. So um, different names, but it seems to be the same creature everywhere. And it's coast to coast, California to New York. How about other, other like in South America and in Asia? Do we oh, have yeah. contemporary reports? I know uh, historically there have been traditions worldwide of, of these types of phenomenal you know, hybrid creatures. But how about contemporary uh, accounts coming from other, other uh, parts of the world? Yeah, there are a couple of guys who do a really good job keeping track of uh, South American, Central American tales of this creature. And I, I've recounted a few of them in some of my books. Um, the word down there is usually lobizon, so it's again a different name, but it reacts in very similar and appears in very similar ways to uh, this creature. Um, one common feature I know there's one of my favorite tales is uh, that one of these creatures showed up at a family birthday party, and I I'm thinking Argentina, but I won't swear to it without looking it up. But they they uh, this family was celebrating a party, and they looked out and somebody. I think one of the young boys saw this creature and ran out, and it started attacking the boy. And so the whole family ran out and started beating on it with spades and hoes and baseball bats and whatever else they could find until they subdued it and left it this kind of crumpled mess on the ground. And then they went back in to decide what to do. When they looked out the window, it had picked itself up and run away again. Tough beast, tough beast. Reminds me of this character in the TV show Alphas about mutants where the guy drinks any calcium source like milk, and he's able to kind of reconstitute himself. Right. Or I always joke, it's, it's like the, uh, the dog they call Timex in the fly because he took a licking and kept on ticking. I remember oh, that. Do we still <laughs> use that phrase? That goes back a few years. Well, it's back way far, but, you know, it's that, that uh, really great version of the fly, which I, I think was a pretty good monster movie. But, um, I like the original fly. I think David Hedison was the fly. And was Vincent Price in that movie? I don't well, know. The David be- Cronenberg version I didn't dig. It was just too... You didn't like Jeff Goldblum as, as the fly? Brindle. Jeff Goldblum, no. I liked him in, in Brindle Fly. <laughs> I liked him as a crazy detective on Law & Order Criminal Intent. I liked him in a number of movies, but not as a fly. Oh, I thought it was great when he's in the bathroom uh, saving his uh, body parts in the uh, medicine cabinet. That was kind of a weird scene. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, I love I love that movie. I'm a fan. But the the corollary is, you know, I've had other people who happen to have a firearm handy and tried to shoot it. And it just backs away into the woods, doesn't appear to bleed, even though they're emptying 
clips of automatic ammo into it and are sure they're hitting it, they don't seem to hit it. So sometimes, you know, the creature isn't doing anything overtly supernatural, but when you read all the circumstances, you come away with the feeling that there's something just not quite right. Um, Another thing is that people feel it has this uncanny sentience about it, that it's very aware of them, that it's smarter than a normal wild animal or a normal wild wolf would be, and that it's it's got this attitude like, you can't get me, I'm over here, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, you know, snarling, um, just very, very aggressive and... Um, commanding in a way and some people even feel that it's sending them sort of a uh, whether it's body language or mental they're not sure it's not like a thought bubble in king's english but they'll feel that it's sending some sort of message that they understand like if you tell anybody you saw me i'll get you or that it's angry that the people saw these are things that you just don't really think about say if you run into a bear or a wild uh, you know, mountain lion or something like that. It's it's a very different reaction. And that spooks people out just as much or more than seeing it walking around on its hind legs. Isn't our general perception of wolves in such that we believe them to be extremely intelligent creatures anyway? Well, they are. You know, um, I cite some actual hunting strategies of wolves that have been observed and studied. And the more people study them, the more they realize how social they are and interactive and and uh, what different personalities they have. And they do teach their young um, behaviors that are, are helpful to their survival. So they are very, very intelligent animals, as it is. But Now, wolves supposedly mate for life, right? Um, I guess so. I think that's true, you know, as long as one isn't injured or, or killed or something. Of course, wolves don't have a judge or a lawyer who can right. get them a quickly divorce. Not one, one <laughs> would think so. There's no wolf in prenups. Not, not that anyone knows of, no. How about so, that? Uh, you mentioned firearms and, and uh, these creatures uh, at times uh, appearing to be oblivious of uh, being shot. That right. opening scene in Hunt for the Skinwalker has uh, a, an unusually large, you know, four to five foot tall. Right wolf that was shot at point blank range and it didn't it, yes. it didn't seem to have uh, any effect on it and it wasn't until uh the last time i think he shot it with a 30-06 he actually knocked a hunk of meat meat or fur or something off it and then it it finally loped away right but uh that that's an interesting i think that's an interesting little little sidebar that these uh these animals don't appear to to be affected by uh you know by bullets, perhaps I think somebody makes a bullet right that's silver tipped. <laughs> maybe they're maybe they need to get the, the they silver just don't have the right bullet, or, exactly. or maybe depleted uranium. Uh, we do tip go. our munitions, uh, and, you know, overseas with depleted uranium. Maybe that would have an uh, impact. I'll tell you what. Yeah, let's just get some it. phasers, okay? <laughs> right. We'll stun the werewolf with phasers set on stun. Or we'll vaporize it. That's it. That's the only way with werewolves. Or lightsabers. That would be fun. Oh, lightsabers. Yes. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> I don't know where we're getting into this. Using lightsabers to slay werewolves for fun and profit. Or we can make it part of the dummy series, you know, slaying werewolves for dummies. That's not a bad idea. I'd write that book. Why don't you propose it to the company <laughs> that puts out the dummy series? 
They have a flying saucers for dummies, by the way, I think. Yeah, it's, it's probably already been written. I think every possible dummies topic has been written. I'm just astounded at the ones that I see. I should call my friend Bob Levitis, who writes a lot of the dummies books. But technology, of course, you know, like Mac OS for dummies. Well, right. how about writing dummy books for dummies? That's okay. probably well, there, too. There was used to be a competing series called The Complete Idiot's Guide. Oh, real trivia here. We were talking about the movie The Fly. And the original version featured David Hedison, who later went to The Young and Restless, The Fly. He was also playing Felix Leiter, the CIA agent, in some James Bond films. Mm. He was in Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, too. That was one of my favorite shows as a little kid. And the guy is still here. He's still alive. I think retired for a number of years, but he's still alive. Maybe he's a werewolf. Dorian now, Gray. See, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say I, I'm joking. I shouldn't say things like that because I'll get emails saying, well, you said so-and-so was really a werewolf, so you must really believe in them. And I don't. I, I do not believe human beings turn corpuscle for corpuscle, nostril for nostril, you know, joint for joint into werewolves, into wolves. I really don't believe that happens, just for the record to be clear. I believe okay. in i tell you what, proof that David Hedison is a werewolf. You ready for this? I he am. He has been married to the same woman since 1968. Well, that's pretty good. He yeah. made it for life. The guy really did. <laughs> Some people do. Yeah. Some people do. I've been married I, I, to my husband so, so for a very we'll a, long time. We'll get a tweet from David Hedison. He's still listening. That would be great. Yeah, he'll tell us all about the fly. That would be wonderful. Or he'll be a fly in the wall, depending on your point of view. <laughs> help me. Please help me. I think, Chris, we have to agree with what a lot of our listeners say. A lot of our listeners say about Chris that he definitely needs help. <laughs> and we're going to try to help. Well, what did, Linda, what did you think of the, uh, the recent uh, Wolfman movie with probably the only actor out there that probably really didn't require very much makeup? He looks kind of like a wolf man to begin with, Benicio del Toro. Benicio, I, Benicio del Toro, um, oh, it's fine, you know. I um, it sure I didn't know. do well at the box office. No, so. Anthony no. Hopkins First played his no. dad, and there was a twist at the end, and I'll tell you what the twist is in a moment. We have Linda Godfrey. The subject is werewolves with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. 
If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapel has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapel. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg. The final four segments, ladies and gentlemen. The remake of The Wolfman. Anthony Hopkins plays his father. That was the Claude Rains role in the original 1941 version. I thought it was a bad film. I thought the spoiler making Anthony Hopkins the werewolf who bit his son and made him a werewolf too was just, you know, not the way to do it. In the original movie, Bela Lugosi bit Lon Chaney Jr. to make him the wolfman. There you go. I don't mind spoiling a movie when I think it was really badly done. It tried loosely to follow the 1941 version, but it's one of those things where they make a remake of a movie... And you wonder, why? Doesn't the original movie like The Day the Earth Stood Still come up as a classic? Why did you have to get... Forget it. <laughs> why did you have to have a remake? Let's get back to werewolves. There's a question by way in our forums. I think just one question, Chris, that you want to check into. And uh, it comes from Solarian, who's uh, one of our newest members of the uh, forum.theparacast.com family. And, and he says, I would like to... And he's not a werewolf, that. by the way. I want to tell you right now. As far as I know, Solarian is not a werewolf. He might be E.T., but not a werewolf. Go ahead. The question, please. Well, he would like to hear you retell the story of a man-dog who stole a trailer hitch from a Wisconsin resident. That is one of the strangest Wolfman cases I've ever heard over the radio. Who stole a trailer hitch? (laughs) Yeah, that's... that's what. I'm drawing a total blank on that. Now, he's he's not talking about um, a Wisconsin man contracting for the DNR who had... Oh, I know. He he stole. It wasn't a trailer hitch. It was an aluminum ATV ramp. That's what he's talking about. This wow. man was this man was contracting for the DNR as a deer carcass picker upper, for lack of a better phrase. And this happened north of Milwaukee by a huge Catholic twin spired shrine called Holy Hill, which is. Um, a, a hill that's long, long been considered sacred, and then there's this beautiful big Catholic shrine built on top of it, and the spires are lit up. And it was right across from the entrance to this um, this shrine, which is very hilly, wooded, somewhat suburby, rural area, but there's nobody around at 3 in the morning. And he made his rounds in the wee hours when he wouldn't get run over getting out of his truck and picking up these deer. Well, he came across one that was... Um, small enough that he didn't need to get his 
aluminum ATV ramps out in order to shove it up onto the truck. That's why he had those in the back of his truck. So he threw it on top of these ramps, and then he got back in his cab. He had all the light. He had the the um, cab light flashing on top. He had the inner light on. All the lights on his truck were going, so it was pretty well lit. And he had to fill out paperwork because it wasn't on his list. So he's sitting there writing, and all of a sudden his truck rocks like that. And he thinks, well, that's weird. It must be the wind. But no, there is no wind. So then it did it again, and he looked in the gigantic side view truck mirror, and he saw something standing that was six to seven feet, had to be six to seven feet tall for it to be showing, with the head of a wolf, but then this sort of muscular shoulder area and it was reaching with one paw into the back of his pickup truck and now this guy i've come to know very well he stands well over six feet tall he's um, an inveterate outdoorsman his name is steve kruger and he even uh, has an outdoors magazine that he publishes so he knows his animals and he was running through the possible list and when he realized he couldn't recognize what this thing was um, sheer terror took over, and he just floored it. And he heard two thumps, and he knew right away as he drove, was driving what those thumps were. One was the dull thump of the deer carcass being pulled out onto the road, and the other was the clang of one of his aluminum ATV ramps. And he kept going for a couple of miles till he got to a, an intersection and sat there and breathed heavily for a while until finally he decided that he really needed that, you know, he wasn't a rich man and those ramps are not cheap. And he decided he was going to go back and just see if he could get the ramp back. If the creature was still there, he would just keep, you know, keep going as fast as he could. So he drove back, didn't meet anybody coming or going either way. When he got back there, the carcass was gone and so was the ATV ramp. Neither one were ever found. They were just gone. And... How that, bizarre. Yeah, and he what went... What would be the motivation for a wolfman to steal a, <laughs> an aluminum ATV ramp? Well, his theory was that when he threw the deer in the truck bed, the, the ramp kind of got tangled up in its legs, and when the creature the creature tugged the deer out, the ramp came with it. But then where did the ramp go? You know, that's the weird thing. Unless it stayed tangled up and got dragged into the woods. Maybe the werewolves have a flea market. <laughs> yeah, the werewolf never, flea market where they steal ramps and stuff from regular people and they put them on sale. Yeah, know, or maybe he just thought it would be handy for dragging the deer into his den. Like, hey, yeah, this is a good idea. You know, I could use one of these puppies. So um, the thing was that nobody probably would have ever learned about it except that being the conscientious good guy that he is, Steve decided he should go report it to the Washington County Sheriff because... Although he couldn't tell what it was, um, he felt it was probably dangerous and that people should know it was there. So as soon as he wrote that it was standing on its hind legs, fur covered, the uh, deputy writing it down wrote the word Yeti, even though Steve never said the word Yeti. And it got reported from the police log as a Bigfoot, which it never was. And Steve still is angry today that the newspaper said Bigfoot sighting scene. You know, and of course, it made the newspapers then. But um, yeah, Maybe it's a pretty good. Maybe the media fell. It did, wouldn't sound right if you said werewolf. Well, that's true, you know. And then the fact is that they just weren't listening. I've had many witnesses who've gone and reported to authorities tell me the exact same thing. They try to describe something tall, upright, and furry, 
and they don't listen to what you're reporting. They just immediately write down Bigfoot or Yeti or something like that. Well, let me and, ask you that question. You raise a new issue here. And that is here, do you think that some of the creatures that have been described as Yeti are really these man-wolves or whatever? I think it's very possible. I just saw one the other day that I'm, I'm pretty sure was because it's not generally as well known. Everybody knows about Bigfoot. You know, there are movies, Harry and the Hendersons. But when you think about something that looks like a werewolf, that's generally mentally filed in the fantasy realm by most people. They haven't heard that there are many people who have actually seen something that looks like this, you know, in the wild outdoors. Um, or the not-so-wild outdoors. So I do think that there are cases probably where each one has been misidentified. The interesting thing, though, is that there are people who want to believe that all of the dog men or wolf men are actually what they call a snouted Bigfoot, which makes no sense to me because any witness who has seen either one, and I get Bigfoot reports as well, so I do know the difference. And when they get a good look, they're easily able to distinguish as to whether they saw a dog man or a Bigfoot. Um, the dog man, you see the pointed ears on top of the head, has the long snout. The weight is generally estimated between 150 and 250 at, at most. Um, I've had maybe one person say 300 or something, but most of the time it's estimated at 150 to 250. Werewolves watch their diet, ladies and gentlemen. Well, you know, they just have that slender canine bill, although they're said to be more muscular in the upper chest and the thigh area and the arms, which makes sense if they're using them in two different ways to walk bipedally and also on all fours. Whereas Bigfoot is usually at least seven to eight feet tall, sometimes nine feet tall, weighs many hundreds of pounds, varies all over the place, um, is much broader the arms and legs are thicker, the arms are very long, and people will say they see hands with Bigfoot and flat feet as opposed to paws and something walking on its toe pads. Uh, the Bigfoot can walk much more erectly than the, the dog man. You don't see ears, you don't see a neck. It's just got a very primate shape. It's a very different thing. And again, it has knees bending forward like a human and the footprints um, are much more like a human's, whereas the, the dog man's footprints look like a giant, supersized timber wolf. Would you than... think maybe we're dealing here with some sort of missing link, and we'll get into that in a moment. Linda Godfrey, talking about werewolves with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out, asseenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number 1, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code SCENE1 to save 10%. 
10%. Good day. Peter Kranchnabel from Midas Resources. Today is October 19th, 2012. Gold opened this morning at 173530. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 178 17, 889.08 for a half ounce, and 444.54 for a quarter ounce. 173530, 889.08, and 444.54. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Hi, my name is Annette, and due to menopause symptoms for nearly two years, I suffered severe hot flashes, which prevented me from sleeping all night. It was so hard to work because it continued all day to have the hot flashes from hell. I was exhausted and depleted. After only three weeks on One World Way, I have no hot flashes, and I'm sleeping normally again. I feel energized and strong. This is an amazing product. It is a little-known fact that every single cell of your body is supposed to produce 10% of its protein content as glutathione. But due to toxicity and aging, it does not. Could glutathione be a missing factor in optimal cell function for your entire body? If you restore the optimal glutathione levels in your cells, especially your glands and organs, then as a result, your glands and organs work better. Imagine the quality of life improvement you might have. To order One World Way, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. 888-988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com that's oneworldwhey.com we'd like to hear from you if you have a comment or question about the paracast send it to news at the paracast.com that's news at the paracast.com and don't forget to visit our famous paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com when you talk about the difficulty of maybe walking upright, Linda Godfrey. Do you think here maybe we have some kind of missing link? Well, type a link. Of creature? I think when you're talking about the dog man, you mean? Yeah, or, some or kind the, of missing link, like something more related to a Neanderthal. No, I don't think so because, you know, the Neanderthals were pretty darn human. Um, they were primates, they were not canines. And these things are canine. They walk on their toe pads, they've got the canine skeletal structure. The skulls are completely different. They're not primates like us. They're different. I think that 
I can conjecture, and this is this is not science, but my conjecture is that if it is some sort of naturally adapted animal, that perhaps there were some uh, individuals at some point that had mutations for slightly larger feet and paws that made it uh, a little easier for them to walk upright than most of their companions and that they found it um, handy in some ways for their survival. For instance, if they were living uh, in the prairie states, they could stand up and see whether deer were coming toward them or maybe a bear or something else like that. And that once they got their prey, if they stood and ran on their hind legs, it left their forelimbs free for carrying the carcass, just as so many present-day eyewitnesses have seen them doing. I've read that uh, scientists think that with humans, if you believe in evolution, they think that free that when when uh, primates were able to free their forelimbs, it made for all kinds of new brain connections. Many new uh, neurons were able to be developed, and that this might have helped the wolfman intellectually too. And perhaps is one reason that they seem so intelligent and that it helps them to be elusive and, and be a little smarter than the average wolf. So I, I really think that it, it might be more a case of natural selection. It, and again, I don't have scientific proof for this. I don't claim that it's scientific. It's just my own speculation and common sense. Well, you bring up a good point, and that is scientific proof. What sort of physical evidence do we have? Uh, do we have any sort of hair samples, scat, any really good photographic evidence or film footage? Or um, It's pretty rare, but I have seen uh, some pretty uh, impressive tracks. But right. uh, do we have any sort of scientific evidence that's, uh, that's been able to pass any sort of muster? Well, the tracks are the best evidence in my view. Um, I have the feeling, because I think these things are totally canine, that if you got a hair sample, if you got scat or anything like that, even flesh or tissue, that it would test out as um, a wolf-dog hybrid. I really think that. Partly because they've recently discovered that when you see wolf packs with dark, where, where the wolves have dark brown fur like these guys have, um, there almost always is dog DNA present. So I do think there's some type of wolf and dog hybrid. And then, you know, you really can't prove anything by that. Whereas if you DNA tested Bigfoot hair and you get this primate, you know we don't have anything native like that in North America. So you've got something much better to work with. Now with the footprints, the thing is that I, I recently measured some and have a cast of some that were found in Rock County, Wisconsin, down here in south, southern Wisconsin, that were six to six and a half inches across, which is really bigger than any uh, timber wolf ought to be. And there were only the hind prints. There weren't any forepaw prints. And you could see it was going across a muddy cornfield and it was chasing a deer. You could see the deer prints and you could see its prints. I have another example that was taken in South Milwaukee, of all places, uh, where there happened to be uh, a cornfield leading up to a cliff near Lake Michigan. And this was just in a little... Uh, dogleg lane, forgive the pun, off of uh, this, this little gravel road that I happened to find this mud puddle where, again, you could see a deer was springing out. You could see where its rear hoofs had pushed down for the, for the big spring. And this canine creature with six-inch wide footprints right next to it. And they were a total of eight inches long because there was another impression that was sort of like a heel impression. 
And I think that that probably is what would be their heel joint hitting the ground when it was springing in turn after the deer. And I did have Wisconsin's top uh, wolf expert look at them with the, the state DNR, and he agreed that they looked like wolf prints. He didn't have any explanation for the length of them other than that perhaps he, he suggested that wolves often walk in their own tracks. But in that case, there should have been a second set of toe prints and uh, claw marks, which were missing. That's a so, big dog, six inches across. My goodness. Yeah. That's, that's mean, huge. That's twice the size of a, well, maybe not twice the size, but. Twice. but well, it's twice. It is twice the size of like the largest dog species. And a giant big wolf will be four, maybe five at the most. But four is, four is a, a good size for a wolf, four and a half, something like that. One question that occurs to me here, we're still talking about werewolves, man-wolves. Are all the creatures we see, these hairy, upright canines, of the male species or what? Well, you know, it's interesting. I've had a few people report that they saw male organs um, apparent on the creature. Most, and, I, and I do ask the, the question when it, it appears that the person had a look at that part of it. And usually they'll just say, you know, it was covered with such a dense, shaggy fur all over its body that, you know, I really couldn't tell. But in Real Wolfman True Encounters... I do cite the case of a man who was in Kentucky in a state park and saw what he felt was a female of the species walking upright with a couple of pups also walking upright following her. So he didn't see any female attributes, just assumed that this was the mother, you know, with since there were the young ones. I've had other people in other pet places report uh, very short dog-like upright creatures too that could have also been pups or maybe just a smaller species variation, for all we know. Um, are you familiar with the case that Stan Gordon uh, mentioned in his mysterious uh, Pennsylvania book about some sort of wolfman-type creature that, that, if memory serves me correct, chased some kids in a car and actually clawed, uh, left uh, quite impressive scratch marks on the trunk of the car? I'm, I'm trying to remember the details of this, but... Uh, yeah, and I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here staring at my weird Pennsylvania book on my bookshelf, but I can't get to it with my headphones on to look it up. But I can tell you that I've had other reports like that in Wisconsin. Yeah, because I'm I'm looking for for any sort of physical evidence that could give us some sort of leg up on this uh, scientifically. Um, how you mentioned right. tracks. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, very good quality eyewitness sightings. How about any cell phone footage or, or photographs or any sort of video or film footage? Uh, I personally have never heard of any. No, uh, people send me things all the time, and there are a few that go around on the Internet, and they either turn out to be fakes or some sort of blob squatch type of thing, you know, that they're just too blurry to prove anything. And the thing is, you you would need to have probably several minutes in really good light, showing it with um, some kind of thing to measure against it in the background and turning in different directions so that you could see it from various angles. That's what you would need in order to prove this um, and be sure that it wasn't Photoshopped. And even then, you know, it's amazing what you can do with Photoshop these days. I'll tell you what, we have Linda Godfrey joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. (laughs) 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pillow. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. The worst drought in 50 years continues. And the first six months of 2012 marks the hottest half year on record. 78% of the Midwest Corn Belt is in drought conditions. Not only corn, but soy, alfalfa, fruits, vegetables, and wheat are all impacted, raising prices. The cost to feed livestock is forcing farmers and ranchers out of business, blowing up your food prices. The only strategy to counter this is to freeze your food cost at today's prices by getting your own supply of foods from eFoods Direct now. As the price of raw ingredients increases, eFoods will have to raise prices too. Now is the time to get your supply. I recently increased my supply from eFoods Direct because we have all known this was coming. You know about their delicious long-term storable foods. The fact is, you can eat at any time to save money today. And because it stores for 25 years, you're locking in today's prices and avoiding the rising food cost. Don't wait. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. You can bet your life on eFoods Direct. What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. 
That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com. The original Grover Rocket Stove Minimal Wood Use Cooking Stoves. Available exclusively from StockStorage.com. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. The Paracast takes a canine bent just a couple of weeks before Halloween, exploring real werewolves, not the ones that shapeshift from humans and back, not the ones that bay at the moon, not the ones who become werewolves when the full moon is bright. And we're trying to figure it out, get a handle on it. Linda, obviously, if such creatures exist, we're going to want to somehow prove it, not just to convert skeptics, but get real evidence. And we've been seeing these things for years. We've been seeing Bigfoot for years. How would scientists get together if they could take it seriously, which is possibly a stretch and a half here? How would we find the evidence to prove these creatures really, really exist? Well, like I said, it's frustrating because I think if you find a dead one, you are not really going to have any evidence that it's anything other than a large wolf-dog hybrid. Um, You know, its behavior is what sets it apart. The fact that it walks on its hind legs, which is not an impossible thing. In the wild, it usually only happens if a forelimb is missing, and I've never had anybody report that. And domesticated dogs will will do it if they're trained and motivated, you know, like the little dancing dogs at the circus. That's you're, it. You're, These are dancing <laughs> They could be. Yeah, I've never seen anybody merengue, but uh, my favorite YouTube, if you Google merengue dancing dog, you can get a really great video of a dog, you know, running around upright and doing all kinds of tricks. So it's the behavior that gets people, not really any inherent part of it, any inherent part of its makeup. So um, hair samples, scat, all that kind of thing aren't really going to do it. Um, I think that the footprints, the if we can really, and I, I've got good footprints and casts, and I, I guess those just aren't considered good enough evidence, although um, they could be used to convict people if, if, you know, you're seen at a crime scene and the footprint matches your footprint. You know, it can be used as evidence in court. Um, I will say that, I, I do believe the anecdotal evidence is very strong. In the very first episode of Monster Quest, they asked me to round up, you know, just seven or eight general witnesses that I, they were mainly going by uh, geographical ease that, that lived nearby where we were filming and, and could be gotten to the place pretty easily. And we actually filmed more than we had space to use on the TV show. And polygraph tests were administered by a top-notch professional they brought in from Minneapolis who subbed out to the Minneapolis police departments when they needed a real specialist. And he was tough, I'll tell you. The producers figured it would be about 50-50, you know, maybe half would pass and half would fail. They all passed with no evidence of deception and flying colors, every single one of them. And moreover, when they had asked me to ask whether they would take the test, I was a little embarrassed. I thought, oh, they're going to think that I don't believe them. They'll be offended. None of them were. They all said... Yeah, I know exactly what I saw. I'll take any test you have. And that's something that I hear time and time again from people who uh, send their reports into me. It's like, I know what I saw. I don't care what anyone else says. This is what it was. And the fact that the sightings are so consistent, allowing for a smaller percentage, as I said, of these ones I call bedroom invaders that appear to be really another uh, phenomenon entirely. Most of the sightings just 
describe something that is unique in its behavior. Does sound very unique. What about around the world? We have reports of werewolves. Do they yeah. all look the same? Um, well, say in Europe, you know, where they also have wolves, um, people will see upright wolves. I've had uh, people write to me and say, my uncle described seeing something like this in the south of France during World War II when he was stationed there. Um, I've had a woman tell me her uh, grandfather growing up on Sicily, the island of Sicily, often saw a creature like this and described it to them. So I get reports from all over the world. The interesting thing is that when you get around to places like um, certain African countries where there are no werewolves, you'll get, or wolves, I guess, to turn into a legend, you will have stories where people see were leopards, were hyenas, whatever the top predator is, um, seems to be something that will be believed to walk on its hind feet and have some sort of transformational legend that goes well, along. Well, that's also implying a cultural conditioning again. Right. So we expect wolves, we see wolves. If we expect hyenas, it'll be a were-hyena. Or you could say, well, wherever, um, whatever predator is natural to the area, that's what's there and learns to walk upright. I don't know whether you can... And, of course, there we have the legends... You know, you have to sort out the legends from the contemporary reports. And I don't know that you have a lot of contemporary reports of things like where hyenas and where jaguars in, in Africa. I just don't know enough about it to to say that. Um, you know, but I, I would tend to suspect that most of them are more of the, the legend sort of thing or the shamanistic type of transformational thing that we talked about earlier, the, the shapeshifter. And that can occur, of course, with any sort of animal. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. This fascinating stuff. I, I, I always, uh, it, it's always been one of those head scratchers, uh, the, upright, uh, the upright animal. Where are the hottest spots? Uh, you, you mentioned um, southern Wisconsin. Um, are there other areas around the country where these types of sightings tend to be clustered? I, I realize that most of these are just out of the blue, just, you know, no rhyme or reason, just uh, people happen to be in the right place at the right time or wrong time, depending on your point of view. But right. do we have any any places like a Bray Road where, where they just have been seen for years and years and years and they tend to be clustered? You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to nail down where we might have breeding populations of these things, in other words. Right. Well, I've got a map in my um, Real Wolfman True Encounters in Modern America book where um, you can go and look and see where the main sightings clusters are. Not every individual one, but but the main ones. And some of them are kind of surprising. Um, for instance, I've been starting to get multiple reports from the canyons around Los Angeles, which is a new thing. And some of them seem to have um, sort of dog-cat characteristics. They'll describe them as having ears that reminded them of lynxes, for instance, but otherwise they seem canine. Um, I've had, there are clusters going on in Oklahoma, different parts of Oklahoma seem to be hot spots. Northeastern Ohio is another area, both for Bigfoot and for Dogman. Um, and then in Michigan, of course, you've got the million or so acres of the Manistee National Forest, where, uh, again, you have both Bigfoot and Dogman. And Michigan has another interesting hot spot area, which is around Kalamazoo in the southern part, uh, much more populated. And here's the kicker. What happened 
to be around Kalamazoo in ancient times was another form of effigy mounds that the settlers called garden beds when they arrived because they were raised, perfectly groomed, geometric formations um, that set in very complex patterns, and they reminded them of the formal gardens that were set around palaces in Europe. That's why they called them garden beds. And, of course, then they went and plowed over them, but luckily somebody surveyed them first, and so we kind of know where they were. But that happens to be the other big hotspot sighting area in Michigan, near, again, near ancient Native American mounds. And uh, the the uh, Native Americans who were still there when the settlers came said that the mounds were made by long-ago people called the Yom Kodesh, or prairie people. And interestingly that they set guardians around these mounds to guard them in perpetuity. And that's one other big theory that we haven't really touched upon yet that I've also heard from other Native Americans is that some of them feel these creatures could be some kind of manifestation of guardian spirit guardian creatures that come to life under certain conditions or are summoned by some people. Um, maybe when the area is disturbed, they're, they're released and let loose. And that, uh, again, that puts them in the spirit creature category. But um, I think that that is just a fascinating uh, uh, number of, of coincidences, if you will, that, that all it all kind of comes together there with the ancient things and the spirit guardians. and So so like like guard dogs. Guard we'll have to find out more about the guard dogs, the werewolves. <laughs> The Legends with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. 
So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. You store guns, ammo, and food and water. But do you store peace of mind when it comes to your firearms? Now you can with Duracoat. The last thing anyone needs is a firearm that won't work when you need it most. Improve the factory finish and Duracoat your firearms once for a lifetime of protection against rust and corrosion. And Duracoat also protects against water, salt water, mud, grime, or whatever nature throws at you. The Duracoat Shake and Spray Finishing Kit has everything you need to finish a complete firearm for just $34.95. No need for an airbrush or other spray equipment. Just degrease, then spray on Duracoat and let dry for a lifetime of protection. Duracoat is the simplest and most user-friendly firearm finish you can buy. Use Duracoat on knives, camping equipment, or anything metal, plastic, or wood you want to protect from the elements. Call 800-830-6677 or visit Duracoat.net. Spelled D-U-R-A-C-O-A-T.net. Duracoat, the finest firearm finish on the planet. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y or go to bigberkeywaterfilters.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. This has been an awful lot of fun. We're almost done with the session, a final wow. segment, just like that, with Gene and Chris on the Paracast, Linda Godfrey, exploring not the fake stuff, not the stuff from True Blood or the Wolfman, but Real Wolfman, True Encounters in Modern America, which is the name of the book. We're exploring all the crazy canine creatures that have been sighted, whether they are real, whether they are projections, whether we can ever find evidence. That's always been the problem, Linda, with all right. these mysteries, the kind of hit-and-run, cat-and-mouse game kind of thing, where you see these creatures, occasionally you get some footprints that may or may not represent something unusual, but you can never get at the core of the mystery. It's like it keeps running away from us. It's very frustrating. You know, I would love to have it resolved and, and be able to figure it out. And I keep thinking, every time I write a book, I think, well, this is the end. I'll never think of anything else about it. Nobody else will ever come forward with any more stories. And then a flood of reports arrives and new theories come up. And there's always something more to think about. And I do think, even if... Um, my least popular choice would be that it turned out somehow 
the entire country was having uh, shared mass hallucinations of seeing this thing. When, and I think that's a farther stretch than almost any of the other possibilities. At least we would know, you know, and, and I would rather know and find out than have it be a mystery forever. But I'd rather it be a mystery than just decide arbitrarily, okay, it's this or that. And it does frustrate people that I can't say for sure it's a natural animal or for sure it's a native spirit creature because uh, I think it would be dishonest of me to say, yes, this is is what it is, just because that's what I think, um, when I really don't know. What's better than to present some kind of dogmatic conclusion? I was noticing looking at the bibliography and looking at your back titles, Uh Linda, that you actually did one book with our old friend Nick Redfern. Um, he, well, he wrote, he wrote a foreword to one of my books. Okay. Which may be what you're thinking of. Oh, that's it, possibly. I think they list him as a co-author. Yeah, some, sometimes they get those, if you're looking at the Amazon sheet, they get those mixed up. He wrote a really nice foreword to one of my books. But um, I did not have the pleasure of co-authoring, but Nick's a good friend of mine, too. You know, we often share information. So, Nick, and Nick's I, a friend I, of the show, and he's a guest co-host. So when Chris can't make oh, it, or when right. Nick... Has a book out, which he has one out right now. Every as a other fact. week. <laughs> Every other week, Every other we can week. get. Basically, we could have Nick as a guest about twice a month. Continually, I don't think he sleeps. I really don't think that man sleeps. And he but, has a day job, by the way, as a writer right now. So he's writing a day job because, as a lot of people have learned, you don't become rich and famous. Not with by a paranormal shot. books. No, Do you have my, a day job right now. Um, well, no, I'm I'm writing full time, but I also have a husband who works very hard and and provides our main support, and who rues the day when I quit teaching art to start writing for newspapers and writing books and sorts of things because I'd be sitting with a nice fat pension and you know we'd be much better financially. What does your husband do? Do you want to mention that? He is a civil engineer. Okay. So he's more of a science type mind and and. Uh, He's very, very good at what he does and, and is very um, nice about letting me do what I do. What does he think of his wacky spouse? Yeah, that was my question. Paranormal. What does he yes. think of your, your, your fascination with this particular subject? Well, the thing is, he's been close enough to me to see all the times when, you know, they're just our true mysteries. And he's also a great, avid outdoorsman. If he can be fishing, hunting, or outdoors in any way, that's what he's doing. And and he has seen the tracks, and he has seen you know the incidents. Um, I've had encounters with Bigfoot and that sort of thing too, and it's enough to give him pause, you know. And um, he admits that there are things that he himself can't figure out. So uh, he's grown to have some respect for it over the years. Do you have any youngins? I do. I have two sons, neither of whom could care less about cryptozoological creatures, because it's what mom does. It, mom's that crazy person who chases you know, after werewolves and stuff. If your mom does it, you can't have any interest yeah, in exactly. it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Isn't know, it funny how that man, works? Yeah, it is. It really, it really is true that way. And I would like to mention real quickly, um, if anybody wants more in-depth information on me or a book list or links to, to buy the books, you can just go to lindagodfrey.com. And I am rebuilding my Beast of Bray Road page. It's just slowly coming along. But um, there's already one of those uh, pages up on that. It's a WordPress blog with several pages. And you can find out all kinds of other things at just lindagodfrey.com. 
Well, if they don't take over your server like someone tried to do with us a while back, you'll do fine. By the way, if you need any help with WordPress, we're here to help. Well, um, I you just may hear from me because, yes, I always no, need... No, you, you know where to find me. I'm serious. You know, I'm happy to help <laughs> get things you. working better with WordPress because yeah. it can be difficult. Where do you go from here now? You've covered a lot of books about hairy creatures, particularly werewolves. And you've really made great strides. You've been working at this thing for a number of years. And you haven't driven your husband crazy yet, which is really good. So you have to be a real saint that you can live a normal life and be involved in all this wacky stuff that Chris and I cover. (laughs) So where do you go next? Are you going to stick with the werewolf stuff or are you going to go into other supernatural, paranormal aspects of our universe? Well, I, I just contracted with Penguin for another book, and it's a little. All I can say right now is it's a little broader ranging. You know, it's a width of, and it digs into some things that I'm very interested in. So I'm excited to get started with it. And I also am branching out. I'll if you watch my website, lindagodfrey.com, um, in a month or two, probably two, I'm going to be releasing a fantasy, urban fantasy novel that um, I'm co independent publishing with my agency in New York as an ebook. Oh. So, so this of course will be sold to Hollywood. And Alan well, Ball when he gives <laughs> up doing True Blood will come to you. Well, you know, that of course is everybody's dream, but you just I just hope to get out a book that people will enjoy reading and if it translates to other media that's great. If not, I'm just, you know, excited about having the the fantasy out there. Very politically correct to say that. Well, it's true. It really is. Very briefly, because we cover it so often, do your travels ever take you into the realm of UFOs? Oh, yes. Yeah, I've had people report those. You know, I have the site Weird Michigan. Michigan's just infested with UFOs, and I often get reports from people um, who see that site. And I don't that that site and my old beast site are both crump literally crumbling in cyberspace because uh, my equipment is so antiquated. But you can still go and look at them. Especially Weird Michigan is working still working pretty well, and you can see UFO things that have been reported. And remember, folks, we say if your PC equipment is crumbling, get a Mac. These are Macs. Oh, they are Macs. They're crumbling have- Macs. Yeah, what I run those on is an old PC3 Power Mac, great or beige Power Mac. Oh, a beige Power Mac. Understand they haven't made beige Power Mac since the 1990s. I think it's more like the 1890s. Is that how it feels? <laughs> it, it is. And so, of course, um, the software is just antiquated and I can't get anything else that would work on it, you know. And everything else I'm doing on my much more updated PC laptop. So that's why I'm going to WordPress. Okay, WordPress is a great platform for blogging. As a matter of fact, our PowerCast site is hosted by WordPress, even though it's not a blog. So you can do just about everything with WordPress. I'll talk to you about that. In any case, your site is lindagodfrey.com. And we'll link to it at thepowercast.com so you don't have to remember that. We try when we have an author to link to their book and also to link to their sites, so if you want to get information about what they do, that's the easy way to do it. 
Chris O'Brien, they ever get the video working at OurStrangePlanet.com or they're still trying? No, we haven't. And uh, it looks like I'm going to have to move my present uh, initial camera location as well. So, uh, yeah, we're shaking things up a little bit uh, with that whole thing. And uh, I need to give old Ben a call and see how he's doing so we can keep moving forward with OurStrangePlanet.com, which is my site. And, of course, if you want to contact us. On Twitter, we are the PowerCast. There is also a PowerCast fan club over on Facebook. In fact, two of them and maybe some Facebook maven out there will get together with us to combine the two. It's not very flexible over at Facebook, really complicated. Linda Godfrey, thank you so much for joining us this week on the PowerCast. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>